Welcome to Move by Grace, the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel in Cambridge, Ohio. Good morning to all of you that are following along online. Glad that you are with us this morning. Hopefully you have your Bible still open to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9 as well as verse 13. Before we do that, though, I kind of want to give you an introduction as to uh, where we're headed this year. Every year, the elders allow me the opportunity to go and to uh, prepare a sermon calendar with much prayer and anticipation for the following year, the Lord willing. Uh, We don't want to build the barns without the Lord's permission, right? Right, so um, anyways, this this year, uh, we were finishing up the book of Revelation, Uh, Looked like we weren't going to get it finished all in December, so we carried it over into January. But um, we've, we've kind of been pre- previewing this New Beginnings video that we just showed you, and this is like the third or fourth time that you all have seen it. Now, here's the deal. That's the theme going forward in 2021. Our introduction, our, our, our ministry theme is New Beginnings. Everybody ready for a new beginning? Like, after 2020... Aren't you just kind of ready for something that doesn't involve paper or cloth on your face? And you're probably jealous. I want to preach one of these weeks so I don't have to wear, you know, it's not going to happen. Everybody say it's not going to happen. Don't say that, Jerry. He's going to preach. Um, I want to kind of go through where we're headed uh, just so you understand. We don't have slides for all of these yet, but they're coming. Um, In February, this month and, and part of March, we're going to be talking about new life new life in our families. Uh, We're excited about that. Um, And we're going to talk about over the, today, new outlook. Uh, Next week, new communication. The week after that, uh, new walk, following by new relationships. And then there's going to be a follow-up to new relationships called New Relationships Part 2. Brilliant. Come on. Give me a, I know I did. You're thinking I could probably do this at home. Then in uh, March through May, we're going to be talking about a new thing. That new thing is the incarnation. We're going to be jumping into the book of John. And I'm pretty excited about that. We haven't done a gospel since we preached the gospel of Mark and all the way through. And so this book, the book of John, is going to take us all the way to Easter of next year. Just so you guys understand, it's a powerful book. And we don't want to lose sight of that. In the middle of that, uh, instead of summer in the Psalms, we're going to do summer in the... um, well, we're going to call it in, in Genesis. We're going to look at the first nine chapters in Genesis. All things new. Back to the new gospel. Jesus changes everything in John 6 through 12 until we get to the end, of, which is Christmas, just around the corner. If you guys think about it, only 10 more months till Christmas. And we'll be talking about the characters this year of Christmas. Although, by the way, um, just so you guys know, Easter isn't very far away. The 1st of April. So keep that in your mindset as you, as you begin to plan what are your Easter activities, what are you going to be doing, Good Friday service, all of that uh, is coming. So that's where we're headed. I want you guys to be informed. If you've got questions or comments about our sermon calendar, if you'd like to have a copy of it, we'd, I, can, I can make that happen. It just may not be in color. Uh, but uh, just let you know uh, that's where we're headed. Now, let's get into our text, uh, New Beginnings, New Life. Our first lesson is... New outlook. The problem with being a diabetic, as 
of you know, that's what God has gifted me with. And problem with that sometimes is that there are certain things that happen in your life that you're not ready for. And I've been a diabetic for almost 15, going on 14 years. Um, I, we first moved to the area, I found out that I was a diabetic. There was a stretch in there in the middle of it where um, when we first planted the church here at Harvest where we didn't have insurance. And when you're a diabetic and you can't get your medicine, that really wreaks havoc on your body. One of the things that it affects greatly is your eyes. I used to be able to preach like this without these. And uh, I can remember the day driving down Route 40, uh, coming into Cambridge on the east side, and realizing I saw in quadruple, and I thought that was a problem. Anybody with me? Right? Like, each eye was seeing double. And so, to remedy that, I covered one eye, and I was able to see a little bit better. And I got home and I told my wife and um, she had just gotten full time at the school and we were able to get insurance and I went and saw the eye doctor and he's like, yeah, yeah, you got a problem. You you know, your sugar's really high and lots of things changed in my life and including these things. Uh, Today's my son's birthday and if you're watching son, happy birthday. Uh, But he turned 22, but back when he was 16, I know it was 16, it might have been 15 and a half. We, anyways, we went and saw a football game, and that team up north was playing another team from Indiana, um, and, and I, I didn't have glasses, and I was seeing quadruple, and I remember driving all the way with a pair of sunglasses and an eye patch on all the way to Michigan and watching this football game, and then I remember him driving for an hour, an hour, and then I got to drive the rest of the way. I'm like, son, I, I'm kind of have visual problems. I know, but I'm tired. I know. But we'll make it. And we did. It changes your outlook when everything, though, comes into focus. Right? Some of you with glasses understand that. I just put that on and I read that in my notes because you know what happens? It's not in focus. It changes everything when the struggle to kind of line up what the page says or the traffic is doing or anything comes into focus. And when you're out of focus, that's an issue. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. Sometimes we go through life with an eye patch on, trying to get life in focus, squinting because we can't figure out what's going on. And my challenge for you today My challenge for you today is don't be nearsighted. The hub of this message is new life, new outlook. Let's let everything come into focus and the struggles that we are facing will end. Momentary pleasure and gratification do not equal happiness and lifelong joy. Let me say that again. Momentary happiness Pleasure and gratification do not equal happiness and joy. It doesn't answer the tough questions when you're going through life nearsighted. When you don't have the proper outlook. You begin to ask questions like, 
where's this all going to end? Where will I go when I die? Who is really running this thing? Well, the book of Ephesians is important as we look at this, especially in the area of new outlook. You know that six, possibly seven books of the New Testament were written to the church of Ephesus. John was its pastor, Paul was its pastor, and Timothy was its pastor. So when we consider, I didn't even consider 1st and 2nd Timothy, that brings it up to eight books of the Bible now that were written to the church of Ephesus. It was a very important church because of where it was planted, because where Paul had put it on this very Persian road that led from Rome all the way into Turkey. It was an important church because of what it was going through, too. And these were people who had come to Christ in a debauched state, in a place where evil reigned. The largest temple to Athena, the goddess of love, was in Ephesus. It was a problem city. And Paul told these folks, folks, you need to have a new outlook. You need to change your focus for yourself and for your family. Well, you say I need, Pastor, you say I need a new outlook. Why? Well, let me begin by saying this. It's not just me. It's God's word that says you need a new outlook. Okay? Can we agree on that? We can agree on that. All right. So here's why. And I want to give you five, five things here from the text that are going to tell us why we need a new outlook and what it's supposed to look like. Okay? Everybody with me? Say, I'm with you. If you're with me online, write amen. Okay, here we go. Looking at verse 1 and 2. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. And you were dead in your trespasses and in sin in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Why do I need a new outlook? Well, folks, I want to put it to you as plainly as I can. You were dead. You were dead. If you are here without Jesus Christ, you are spiritually dead. That sounds kind of harsh. Yes, But it's the truth. Man's basic trouble is that they are out of harmony with their creator. Their basic problem is that they're not in a right relationship with their creator. And because we're dead, we have no peace. Because we're dead, we have no truth. Because we're dead, we have no righteousness or happiness. MacArthur put it this way, we're spiritual zombies. I think about that, and I think about how much work can a dead man do to save his own soul? How much talking can a dead man do to reason his way out of his eternal punishment? The scripture says we were dead, and that doesn't mean just like in a life preserver on the Atlantic Ocean. It means at the bottom being eaten by fish. That's how dead we were spiritually when it came to the things of God. 
Now, some of you understand that. Some of you are here today, and you're like, yeah, I was that way. I was that way. I was that way. Dead. And I needed a new outlook. And I'm sure if we went around the room and told the stories of how some of you came to know Jesus Christ, you'd be like, I was rotten. I was miserable. I was horrible. And then God stepped in and gave me a new outlook. Why I needed a new outlook? Because you were spiritually dead. And because you were a blind follower, like the Pied Piper, you followed something, right? I'm, I'm not calling you, like it was a mouse, right? A rat, but the Pied Piper. I'm not calling you that, right? But you followed. I mean, look at the text. I think we even have it underlined on the screen, right? If you look at verse 2, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. You were a blind follower. You were like lemmings to the sea. Because everybody does it, you were doing it. You were conforming to the world. You were conforming and following, look, what does the text say? The course of this world. Well, Nate, what is, the, what is this course of the world? I want to break it down into three areas. Here's the first one, humanism. Humanism. Humanism says that I'm in charge. Humanism says that I'm the answer. I am the captain of my own soul, Nate. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to get there my way. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, right? Materialism. Materialism, following the course of this world, says, I'm going to get what I can get, and I'm going to get all that I can get. I am going to get what is due me. Maybe you know people like that. They work and they work and they work so they can have everything that they ever wanted. And when at the end of that, they're just void of anything. Lastly, the course of this world not only is humanism, not only is materialism, but also is illicit sexual overstimulation. It, also com it always comes back to one of these three things. Just look at the world today. You can't even be on some kind of social media without it being overly sexualized. We need a new outlook because we were spiritually dead and we were blind followers. Well, who was I following? That's a really important question. Thirdly, because you, ultimately you were influenced by the devil. Notice in the text it says, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So we know it's not Jesus because he's not working out these sons of anarchy, these sons of disobedience. We know then that the prince of the power of the air is the devil, Satan himself. And you are following him. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, no I'm not. Stop arguing with me. You either knowingly or unknowingly are following him. Some knowingly do it, right? Some knowingly say, I'm going to hell in a handbasket and I don't care. And I'm going to get mine. Some unknowingly just follow the crowd. And for all of you, I want to say this. You need a new outlook. 
You need a new outlook. Those of us who have come to Jesus Christ as the answer understand this completely. Not only do I need a new outlook, but I need to see that the text tells me why why my old life is so bad. Notice what it says. Why my old life is so bad. Verse 3. It says, You were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now working the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh. We're going to talk about that. Carrying out the desires of our body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. All right, so the Bible, listen, if you're here today without Jesus, the Bible isn't just singling you out. It's saying all of mankind is like this. And here's what they're like. They live for their passions. They live for their passions. Now, the word is lust, but it's not in the sexual term here, okay? What it basically means is anything... uh, Anything that you are desiring, you're coveting, that you're wanting. What fills your day, listen, what fills your day more than God? What are you thinking about? What are you going after? What can't, what are you counting down to right now during the message that you can't wait to get home to do? You're following your passion. Jesus said his children follow after him, passionately want him. The problem is, the reason I need a new outlook and why this life is so bad is because I was following my desires. Like to work, right? I know many of the men in this church and some, even some of the ladies in this church are workaholics. But if we put that before Jesus, or maybe, maybe it's your bowling league, right? Me and Barney, we're going down to the bowling league or the moose lodge or the basketball league. That was never a big deal for me because uh, God didn't bless me with tallness it's okay before you say it Dave it's okay I see your face but soccer was a big deal for me and I, I and sometimes there were times in my life where that was bigger than anything else even my marriage it was the passion see what I'm getting at maybe it's pottery class or Peloton, or maybe, maybe it was hunting. One of the reasons people don't come to Christ is their outlook is so on their passion that they don't realize they need a new passion. But another reason is because I carried out my thoughts and my desires. Notice what the text says. It says, once you lived in the passion of your flesh, carrying out the desires of of the body and of the mind. Now, desire here means to seek diligence. To abandon everything else, to do what feels good, to be deliberate, to be willful, 
I'm going after this, and I really don't care. Who knows? I was thinking about this this morning. We had this little situation that happened at our house last night. And um, Jacob Martin has been this outstanding dog sitter for us. And we've had moments where we just call him up and we're like, hey, got to go. And can you? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And so I'm just, I want to recommend him to you guys as long as he's not on our calendar. Okay? Just say that right there. But coming home, you know, the dogs hadn't seen us and we gave them bones and everything. And, and the two girl dogs, they just love bones and they chew them up in like 30 seconds. And they wonder where to go. And, and the boy dog, um, the privileged, awesome dog, a rider, uh, he takes his time. And Skye doesn't like that. So Ryder takes it to another room, and Skye just follows. And it ended up that, that Ryder ended up on the couch last night with, with Skye sitting beside me as I was sitting in one of our chairs. But I watched. Skye wanted that bone. Sky wanted that bone. And Sky didn't care what the result was going to be. He was going to get that. She was going to get that bone. So Sky went from the chair to the table, under the table, kind of crawled. And all of a sudden I looked over at Ryder, and Ryder did that thing with his teeth, you know. <laughs> Wasn't making any noise. Just get his teeth out. I'm like, put your teeth away. But Sky kept going. Ryder turned his head for a second, Boom! pounced on that bone, and it was on. It, it didn't matter the pain that was about to come to Sky. You know who ended up with the bone? Izzy. She just waited while they fought. She walked in. She grabbed that bone. She walked off. Now, I tell you that, and it's kind of funny, but listen, some of that is how you all act before Christ. When you go after, even, even as a believer, you go after the things of this world and the desires of your flesh and of your mind. And Paul was telling not only the believers there, but those that they would be witnessing to, here's the reason why you need a new outlook, because that's not good. Those things that you were chasing after are not good. Thirdly, because by your nature, you're bad. By your nature, you're bad. We don't lie. Listen. We don't lie and then become liars. We don't steal and then become thieves. We don't sin and then become sinners. Our very nature is bad. We lie because we're liars. We steal because we're thieves. We sin because we're sinners. And the text says our nature was bad. As much as I thought that I was okay, I wasn't. I remember telling you all this, and I'll say it till the day I die. I am thankful that when God knew me, at 13, he didn't just take me out because he knew at 15 I was going to have my opportunity to come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because I was evil. 
And you know what? Here's the thing. I was evil from birth. Romans 5.12 says that sin has been passed to men through Adam and all have sinned. If you're coming here today going, I'm not that bad. No, one sin is enough to keep you from heaven. You need to know that. Well, Nate, I feel kind of down right now. I was kind of hoping for some good news today. You are loved. We'll start there. And notice the text doesn't stop there, though. Look at verse, look at verse 4 with me. I think this is the greatest verse in the, one of the greatest verses in the Bible. It's up there in the top three. It, it, it's, it's huge. But God, being rich in mercy. See it there in the text? But God. In fact, Jacob, Jacob, I want you to do this. Could you underline those first two words? But God. Thank you. Sweet. Right? Those are the two greatest words in the Bible. But God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God being rich in mercy. Here's the new outlook. Here's the new outlook. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Hmm. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen. I tell you, you need a new outlook. I tell you the reason why you need a new outlook. And the new outlook begins, listen, with a new leader. With a new leader. It's you surrendering the captaincy of your life over the captain of your soul. But God being rich in mercy, listen, he's the one who makes the first move, right? He's the one who makes the first move. But God being rich in mercy. God does this amazing thing to bring us alive. How does a dead thing move? It can't. Someone alive must rescue the dead thing to bring it to life. How do you save yourself when you're dead spiritually? You can't. God does. He is the one who made the first move. A new outlook begins with a new leader, God making a move. Notice this, though. He is the one who makes us alive. He is the one who makes us alive. Notice in the text these words, brings to life, made alive, raised up, seated us. All after the fact that his great love with which he loved us brought us from being dead in our trespasses. It goes along with the scriptures. How does God make us alive? How does he make us alive? Well, Romans 8, 11 says the power that raised Jesus from the dead gives us life to our mortal bodies. In John 5, Jesus said that God raised up the dead. In Romans 6, 4, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too walk in them. Newness of life. Romans 8 says that no condemnation comes to those who are in Christ Jesus. We are no longer spiritually dead. Those of us who have taken on this new outlook. Have you done that? 
Is Jesus your Lord? Has he opened your eyes to see? Because before you were spiritually dead and there was nothing you could do. Why does he do it, Nate? Why does he do it? I, don't, I just don't understand. I mean, I know me, right? Like, let's be honest here. I think if we really started to be introspective and think about ourselves, we understand who we are. And I, I, I know me. I, I know my sin. And there's sometimes I want to go, well, I'm, I'm going to pick on Lenny. I'm better than Lenny. But the reality is, no, I'm not. Why would God even want to choose me? Notice this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. The first thing is because of his love. Because of his love. Think, think about John 3, 16, the greatest verse in the Bible, right? For God so what? What's the next words? Loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Think about the verse I already quoted for you in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, still sinners, chief of sinners, Christ died for us. Talk about love. That's love right there. Verse 7 says, the reason he does this, that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of grace in kindness towards us in Christ. He might show, he might demonstrate, like Romans 5.8 said, kindness that is something that is suitable and appropriate for the things that he loved. He does it because of love. He does it because of his grace and his kindness. What he did was appropriate or suitable because of his love. We were the object of his love. Stop for a minute, put everything down, and think about that. Miserable, wretched sinner, God on high made us the object of his love so that we could have a different outlook in life. That's amazing. When we were nasty, come on, he loved us. When we were filthy, he loved us. When we were gross, when we were disgusting, when we were evil. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the love with which he loved us. Mm. Our new outlook begins with a new leader. He does it because of his love. He does it because of his grace and his kindness. Lastly, grace leads me to a new life. 
These are probably the most famous verses in the book of Ephesians. And if you ever were these goobas that grew up a believer in church, then you kind of understood these verses like, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is gift of God, not of works so that no man can boast. You can just kind of spout them off, but do you stop for just a minute and think about what's saying there? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, right? Salvation is not of your own doing. Highlight that. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no man can boast. I think about that gift on Thursday. Um, Jared came over just before small group. We have our staff meeting on Thursdays. And he was there. And uh, he's like, I got this for you. I didn't work for it. I, I, I didn't pay him for it. He had a gift for me. And if you were with us on small group, or you maybe happened to see my, my wife's pictures on Facebook, you saw that that was not the only gift that happened that day. There was this awesome cake, cupcake cake, that came, that Steph made. There's one cupcake left, by the way. There's one cupcake. And if you could just make a bowl of that icing and send it over, diabetic friendly, that would be awesome, right? And she opened it up, and I'm like, I don't deserve this. What a gift. It was by grace. And if you can understand that in just like the minutest way, then understand the grace of God. God's riches at Christ's expense. Unmerited favor. Receiving what we did not deserve. What did you deserve? Let's be honest. Can we be honest for just a moment? In our sinfulness, we deserved what the scripture calls the penalty for sin. And that is death. Not only spiritual death, but physical death for all of eternity. But God, being rich in mercy, loved us by grace, unmerited favor. You are saved. Salvation. Notice in the text it says, by grace you've been saved through faith. Faith is not a work, by the way. Faith is not something that you can just conjure up more and more of as, as a work to get you into heaven. It is a means by which we accept the gift of God. I believe that this is an amazing gift, and by faith I'm, I'm, I'm accepting it. I'm, I'm taking it. That's what you do with the gift, right? You take it, and then you open it, and then you treasure it. I want us to think about that gift for just a minute. What does it look like? On the wall outside of our, our, in our hallway here, when you go out today, you'll see this. There's, there's five words. I call them the five. We did a whole message series on the five uh, a couple years ago that are super, super important to me, and they should be to you because this is the gift of God. Salvation, and at salvation, we receive forgiveness. Have you ever forgiven somebody? Nobody? All right, okay, good. A couple hands. All right, the rest of you need to work. Talk, talk with these folks over here because they're really good at it. All right? 
Forgiveness, in, in forgiveness, we're bankrupt, right? And when I say bankrupt, here's the reason I say that. You owed a debt you couldn't pay. No amount of money could pay the debt that you owe. We were bankrupt, and yet somehow God paid our debt. In redemption, we were bound as slaves. Paul says, you are a slave to the one you serve, whether it be sin or whether it be God. We were slaves to sin on the block. And somehow, God freed us. Salvation is a gift. Gives us forgiveness and redemption, but also reconciliation. Think of reconciliation this way. We were behind a barrier. There was a barrier between us and God. And it shouldn't be there. But nothing we could do in ourselves could move the barrier, could bust the barrier, could climb over the barrier. Yet God somehow broke down the barrier. And in that moment, he adopted us. I've been at a couple of adoptions. Uh, I've, I've been to a party. Faith has ado been adopted. I've been to her party after uh, she was adopted. It's a, it's a wonderful moment that once I didn't have a family, now I have a family. I have a father who loves me. And in salvation, we were once orphans. And he brought us into his family. And then justification. In justification, we were guilty. The gavel had fallen. Guilty is the term. And somehow God made us not guilty. Now you want to talk about a gift, right? That's all wrapped up in this gift that he gives us called salvation. And as we open it, I mean, th these are just the five initial things. That, glorification, I haven't even talked about that. Sanctification, I haven't even talked about that. Giving us his Holy Spirit. Living for all of eternity in heaven. We spent a whole month talking about heaven. It is God's gift to us in Jesus Christ. This is grace. Amen? You can't earn it. You can't earn it. I, I got a few bucks here. Nope. Keep your wallet. You can't earn it. can't be bought, can't be worked for. I'm just going to, I'm going to do nursery a couple extra times this month. I'm going to, I'm going to clean on the cleaning team. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to cut the grass. I'm going to clean the windows. I'm going to work, 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 work. No, no, you can't work enough to make it to heaven. You can't inherit it through another's goodness. There's many times I've talked to folks and they're just like, well, my grandma, your grandma what? My grandma was a good woman, so I know I'm going to heaven. Based on what? Because your grandma was a good woman? God doesn't have any grandkids. Right? You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. 
You can't inherit it. And you can't barter for it. Me and God, we're going to work it out. Right? Me and God are going to work it out. I'm going to get to heaven. Me and God are going to work it out. I'm just going to talk to him about it. It's going to be great. I'm going to tell him all the good things I did. I'm going to show him all the good things I did. And yeah, I got to feel, but I'm just going to talk to him about it. No. In that day, when you see the Lord, you will fall to your knees. And if you feel like you got a plan in that moment, it's going to go out the window. And if you come without that new outlook that I'm talking about today, this salvation in Jesus Christ, your eternal destination is not in heaven with God, but in hell with the prince of the power of the air and all those who have rejected him. Listen, it is a gift. It is a gift that can only be received. It is a gift that only can be opened by you. It is a gift given because of the great love and joy of God Almighty for you. You have to take it. You have to take it. You understand? You can't say, I went to a message and Pastor Nate talked about it. Listen, you have to take it. You have to open it by faith. You have to treasure it. The monetary means by which this has been purchased is by the precious blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. That was the love. That was the victory. The victory over death. The gift is substitutionary atonement via Jesus that cancels the payment and the punishment for your sin, which is death. It imputes, listen, it's this simple. It imputes eternal life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will never die. Do you believe that? I like how Paul finishes up this, where we're going to finish it up today. In verse 13 he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, Listen, let's think about that for just a minute. We were nowhere close to being close to God. We were far off. You who were once far off have now been brought near. Think about that. How have I been brought near? By the blood of Christ. That's the new outlook, right? Changed people change people. Do you hear that? You want a new outlook? Changed people change people. Say that with me. Changed people. Come on, come on, come on. We can do better than that. Point at yourself. I want you to point at yourself. All right? Maybe like this. I don't know. Changed people change people. Come on, we can do that. All of us together. Let's use two hands. Come on. Jared's going to use two hands. So if Jared uses two hands, you all can. Changed people, change people. We want new life for our families? It begins right here. It begins with a new outlook. Now the question is, like that old southern gospel preacher who says, I wonder if you know him. I wonder if you know him. 
Because if you don't know him, your outlook is still following after the devil, dead in your trespasses and sins. Nothing you can say or do will bring you alive until God brings you alive. And this could be that moment. He could be pulling at you right now. Will you receive the gift that he has given you in Jesus Christ? In Christ alone, the songwriter said, my hope is found. That is our only way. Jesus said, I am the way, not one of, but the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you want to be a changed person, it starts with a new outlook. And that new outlook is faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here with him today, and you're, you're a follower, you're here with us today, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, fantastic. Are you, are you living up to the expectation of a follower who passionately loves Jesus Christ? That's your challenge. You want to see change in your family? You want to see change in your life? Focus on the one who changed you initially from dead to alive in him. Can we do that? Let's stand, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song we haven't sung in quite, uh, it's been a minute, if I could say that, All right? And, um, and we're going to close our, our service in that, all right? Father in heaven, we come into your presence with thanksgiving, as the psalmist said, in our hearts, into your presence with praise. You are the one worthy of all honor and glory. I think of that text where it says, you being rich in mercy loved us. You, you didn't have to, but you did. This is your very nature. You are loving and you loved the despicable, the evil, the ugly, the thrown aside. And you've brought us into a family what, what, a, what a joy. You have not only reconciled us or redeemed us, you've not only adopted us and justified us, God, you've forgiven us of all of those things we did apart from you. God, if there's anyone here today who looks at that list of sins that keeps them from heaven, help them to understand that your forgiveness runs deep and it runs wide. How high is the heavens above is how much you love us. Help them to receive this gift of salvation today. To open it. To yearn to be more like you. Father, help them just pray in this moment. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I receive your gift. I want to be your child. I lay aside my leadership for your leadership. You are Lord. Father, we pray that many would do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Harvest Bible Chapel in Cambridge, Ohio, check out our website at harvestcambridge.org or like us on Facebook at Harvest Cambridge. We're loved.